Hi, I'm Andy Reid. Welcome to Honestly with HVCS, a podcast that brings you real, honest talk about health-related issues that most people find difficult to talk about. We're here to encourage you to advocate for your own health and be your own champion. You know your body best and what your best life looks like. We give you the information you need to make for informed choices. I'm your host, Andy Reid, and with us today, I am delighted to be joined by HVCS's Christina Southwell, Staff Sergeant Fernandez, and Don Wilkin. Hi, guys. Now, we left it in part one. Uh, We were about to talk about... um, Well, what I mentioned was that we have this new age of drug dealing or people obtaining drugs online using, um, what what do you call them, Um, emojis and menus, etc. And that led me to to suggest to Fernandez that, um, inviting him to talk about the stuff that he's involved in with technology and what it's doing. And I know, Don, that you're you're obviously involved in this as well. But I'll give you the, the floor, Fernandez, about what it is you do in terms of using technology to track drugs to help people who are overdosing, etc. Okay. Um, again, this was a huge collaboration effort that involved so many partners that I, I would love to say all the partners right now, but it would, it would take an hour uh, <laughs> to get through all of them. But um, uh, we'll start off with, about four or five years ago, our first initiative was came from a very simple question. They 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 asked me, "Hey, I need you to go out and get me overdose numbers and stats from your your jurisdiction, your area of operations." I thought it'll be as simple as going to a local police department and saying, "Hey, how many overdoses have you had in the last month?" And let me go to the next one. Or is there a centralized database I can pull this from? Or can I go to you know the hospital? I can go to EMS. Who, who do I go to to get these these set numbers? And it turns out that the police have different forms and functions of recording. The EMS has different forms and functions of recording. The hospitals have different forms and forms of recording. They have laws and restrictions. There's a fly. It's pissing me off. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, they have different types of, uh, of, of hurdles when it comes to HIPAA and compliance when it comes to personal from a private, pro, pro, private um, information. And they got to the point where I'm like, well, how can we detail a data stream if we have no data to use historically? We need to have that to actually create a baseline. And the analysts I work with, they have a, a term called the spots of light or, or fountains of light. I don't remember if I'm getting the, the term completely right. And what that is, is these locations where either victims or narcotics or, or, or overdoses have to enter or funnel into. So what are those areas that the data has to be captured at? It, the civilian save, that's not it. Um, sometimes police records would not show the overdose in conjunction with an arrest or if there was an arrest. But they have to go to the hospital nine out of ten times, and they have to go through EMS nine out of ten times. So we approach St. Luke's, and I say we, <coughs> Team Newberg. I'm just um, trying to hold that in. I apologize. No problem. <laughs> Marissa Barberry from the One Life Foundation. Um, and we walk over to Team Newberg, and we're like, let's go to the hospital and let's find out if there's any way we can actually get a succinct database to figure out the basic information necessary to start tracking these overdoses. And they said yes, which shocked me because usually hospitals are not the most forgiving when it, when it comes to people asking for data. And we started off with a very basic Google Docs. Hey, just fill this out when an overdose occurs, and let's see if we can start seeing a trend. 
within, I want to say 78 hours, one information came in with not just the type of narcotic being sold, bag description, but the location. And we passed that information along and it did amazing work on that. Um, although the system is not developed for that, again, that is funny. You can use a hammer a trillion different ways to get something done instead of its intended purpose. A tool is a tool. And then Marissa Barbary came in with these amazing techs and, and, and coders and developed a system that was more coherent and um, fluent. So now we are able to see nothing HIPAA related, nothing personally information related, but we can see where these overdoses are occurring. Um, we started connecting that with EMS data, which has been an amazing source of information. And then we mix that with OD mapping, which is an amazing source. And our map develops over time. Um, and you can see pretty clearly the corridors and areas that need help. You can see where Christina needs to put her van or her bus. You can see where EMS should place their resources. You can see where prevention efforts need to go in town and do these assessments and these boots on the ground involvements. You can see if you start looking at that and start overlaying it with other information like economic development or um, crime rates and statistics or even median income, what is needed? What's the underlying reason for these overdoses? Is the area impoverished? Is it lack of jobs? Is it a lack of transport? Is it a lack of communication or food or education? What is the underlying reason where so many people in one area are overdosing? Um, is it a dealer pushing a stronger narcotic, which we have to go get? All right. Do we need more resources for kids? Maybe kids don't have enough to do in this area because maybe that's the underlying reason that they're just bored and they're getting high. Like, what, what is the reason for this drug use? And so where, where are you at at the moment in terms of your progress um, with the technology that you've developed? Well, COVID put a wrench in it. I'm not going to lie. Um, a lot of the, uh, I, I, I tend to think myself of a slightly charismatic individual. Um, not, not hugely charismatic, but I'm pretty good at getting doors open. And with, <laughs> with COVID shutting down those avenues of, of, of entrance, it, I'm not saying it's stalled, but the hospitals, the doctors, the EMTs have a, a lot on their plate trying to get us through this epidemic. Right. And they have a lot of concerns and worries about going into a hospital every day than going back to their loved ones. And as much as I love data, their health and safety always comes first. So to add more onto a already pandemic-filled plate, I, I, I feel would have been a, a miscarriage of not only my position, but my responsibilities to the coalitions. So once the, once the pandemic starts to lift, and, I, and I, I do see a little bit of light at the end of this tunnel, we're going to kind of start hanging those doors down again and be like, hey, we did great work pre-COVID. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, but the great work ain't done, and we have more work to do. So, and, but you, but the, the most exciting thing I would say is that you have the technology and the the means and the vision for what you're doing, you, and you know it works. Yeah. Well, we know it works. Data data works. Um, I, I love to say people are always spontaneous. We're not. I would love to say that people always move from common trends, but we don't. People as a whole are pretty steady on their forms and their abilities for to develop customs and ritual. That's how we are as a society. So when we start looking at historical data, it's a very good cue on what's going to happen in the future. So Don, if so, go ahead. Don, would you like to add anything to that? Cause I know you've been involved heavily in this as well. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I mean, we the one that's working at uh, St. Luke's Cornell Hospital is called Hudson Valley Interlink Analytic System, which Sergeant coined that name. It, for, for the record, I had a lot of caffeine when I named that. I had a lot of caffeine in my name. Sorry. He did. He did. But we, we term HVIAS. It's much shorter. So St. Louis Hospital is still using that. They're still entering the data as it comes in. Ellenville Hospital in Ulster County is still entering data into that. Um, we, we're seeing more overdoses in Newburgh than we are in, in the Ellenville area. And of course, if you look at the population sizes and things like that, you would, you would understand why in the locale of Newburgh and where it is with 84 and the throughway and all the different, you know, Route 9 and 9D. And it's, it's a hub. Um, and, and, and historically, we know that. One of the great things that was built out of that, again, through Competitive Solutions, Inc., they took the idea that partners had at the table and so, okay, so we're gathering this data, now what? You know, and I remember Christina being at these meetings, and you too, Andy, when we started having these meetings yep. uh, on, on the brainstorming for PRX, which is a, it's a peer calling application that the hospitals or an agency can use if someone's experiencing an overdose rather than calling. Uh, Marissa's team did a fantastic job of creating a system that has Uber-like technology. So, they can just press a button, and then anybody who's in the field of um, peer, res peer responders, I'll call them, your peer advocates who would respond, um, if they meet the criteria, they may need someone who's Spanish-speaking, they may want a male or a female, they may want a certain age range, but to get them at that crucial point when they're at that time of contemplation to go get help, when they're, when they're in an ER bed, and they're like, this is really not where I want to be in my life. What we were finding, we asked St. Luke's, how long is it taking from the time you're looking for a peer to the time one responds? And their answer was an hour and 40 minutes, approximately. That was their time. You're going to you can lose a lot of people in an hour and 40 minutes in an ER who's had enough. Now they're starting to go through withdrawal. The Narcan might be wearing off. They're ready to get out of there. PRRX cut that down to an average time of 10 minutes. So it, it's, it's, working. St. Luke's is still using it and it's expanding. So, I mean, complete credit to Competitive Solutions, Inc. They spearheaded that and, and made that a possibility. Listening to our partners, and particularly Kathy, um, uh, the director of the ER at St. Luke's, who stated, why? What are we doing? We're saving them, but what is next? How can we, how can we move into that next level? And she was so heartfelt when we had this conversation. And the stories that she, she shared, what she sees on that front line on a daily really move the team and then ultimately Marissa to say, I will take this on and use my company. We're going to make this happen. Um, so they've really, Competitive Solutions Inc. has really pushed that out and um, it, it's still building regionally. Again, COVID did put a wrench into some of the development of some of this stuff, yeah. but is now uh, telehealth capable because of COVID. So what she and her team were able to do was create it so you do not have to go to the hospital as a peer. Um, St. Luke's has a computer or a tablet set up if someone doesn't have their own phone that they can use and they, they're setting up that way so the communication could still happen in that real time right there in the ER and make that connect um, while keeping the peers safe because um, that was it, like we got to keep them safe as well. They're, they're just as important in this scenario and making all of this happen. Absolutely. Now, Christina, um, mm -hmm. given what we've heard, um, one thing that Fernandez mentioned was, you know, targeting areas and finding people in particular areas. In, in terms of the syringe exchange program being able to maneuver itself and to be at different places at different times, what do you see 
would be the most effective use of the syringe exchange program going forward? Well, our, our locations are set, so yeah. there's not much yeah. I can do to change them, but we are always looking for like outreach hotspots. So that information could be really valuable to us on like, where should we, where do we need to put our peers? Where do I need to go to access people and let them know about our program, give them harm reduction kits and just spread the word. That's kind of what we um, are doing with social media now because of COVID. We couldn't really go out into the communities like we used to do for outreach. So that kind of became the outreach and um, spreading the word that way because social media could be very powerful. But mm -hmm. the information from those apps could really help us going forward as far as outreach goes and then potentially moving the vans to other areas. In Sullivan County, we go to Monticello. It's, it's very hit or miss with Monticello. Monticello is super rural. So I believe we need to like explore a little bit more into Sullivan County, but do you, do, do, do you think in, in a, a case like that, uh, or uh, each area should be case by case in that you, you could have the ability to move around different days and go to say um, Liberty one day, Monticello the next day, somewhere else the next day, to, to accommodate people who may not be able to get to the van? I think that definitely would be help, helpful. That's over my head, but sure. um, I can definitely advocate for it, and I have tried to advocate for that. Right. Um, but I think that would be helpful just so we could see more people in these rural areas around the Hudson Valley. It's very hard for people to get to you. They might not have transportation. A lot of people are transient, so it's really difficult. Newburgh is kind of like... Um, a hotspot, a Poughkeepsie hotspot, big cities are fine, but um, more in the outskirts, we need to explore a little bit. And obviously the, 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 the technology would, would help you to kind of target oh, areas to go. Certainly, yeah. Right. Because Sullivan to... can be very difficult. Sorry? Sullivan County can be very difficult. I, I know nothing about Sullivan County. And, 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 Don, and, and Don and Fernandez do know about uh, the, 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 mm -hmm. the realities of Sullivan County, don't you? Yes. Yeah, we're in Sullivan. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so we could definitely, Christina, we can connect offline and, and brainstorm some ideas. Yeah. They have a very active community coalition out there, SALT, and they're doing regular outreach in all different parts of the county. So almost... Right. So, I mean, that might be something we could look at. We'll talk off offline, but we could definitely connect you more out there with some stuff. Definitely, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> that's all we have time for today. Before I go, I would like to thank Don Wilkin, Julio Fernandez, and Christina Southwell for taking time to come on the show and share some valuable information with our listeners and viewers. Tune in next time to Honestly HVCS in order to meet some people doing what they can to improve your quality of life and encourage a healthy Hudson Valley. Now, if you like this show, please leave us a five-star review where you get your favorite podcasts. Learn about our free services at www.hudsonvalleycs.org or find us on social media. HVCS is a division of Cornerstone Family Healthcare. Bye for now.